Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Either you're with us or you are with the terrorists. If you've got health care already, then you can keep your plan if you are satisfied with it. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Take it to the bank. Together, we will make America great again. We shall never surrender. Never surrender. It's what you've been waiting for all day. Buck Sexton with America Now. Join the conversation. Call Buck toll-free at 844-900-BUCK. That's 844-900-2825. The future of talk radio. Buck Sexton. Team, welcome to the Freedom Hunt. Great to have you here on the Buck Sexton Show. Uh, I have kind of a a free-for-all plan today. Because uh, we are going to be out tomorrow and the next day. We'll be on vacation here in the hut. And so we're going to just take stories. as I've got a whole bunch of things I want to talk to you about, but we're going to take stories as they come here. Uh, We're going to get into the latest in the news cycle, talk to you a bit about Thanksgiving. And because I'm not going to see you Friday, I felt like we could do action movie quote Wednesday. Action. The Marine Corps is like a day on the farm. Every meal is a banquet. Formation of parade. I love the call. Movie. What's the matter? The CIA got you pushing too many pencils. Quote. Uh, you know what old Jack Burton always says at a time like this? Jack Burton. Me. Fridays. Thanks for the advice. Action. Movie. Quote. Fridays. But it's actually Wednesday, as you know. So uh, it's the day before Thanksgiving. Um, I... I'm already uh, looking forward to the feasting tomorrow. If I do what I'm planning on doing, I may actually try to get to like a treadmill beforehand just so I feel a little less guilty when I go for thirds. Because seconds is required on Thanksgiving, but I might I might go for, for uh, number three in terms of helpings. Uh, 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. Uh, do give me a call. We're talking about whatever. Honestly, anything this week, anything today, if you just want to tell me a funny Thanksgiving story or you want to complain about your, you know, your uh, Uncle Bob and how he's just always dominating the conversation, whatever you've got in mind, we can take that today on the show. We will uh, get into some of the stories, like I said. And uh, I have a, an expert joining on big game hunting later on. We'll talk to him about the the case for the case in favor of uh, allowing elephant hunting. He will make that case. As you know, I'm I'm personally opposed, uh, not vehemently, but personally opposed. Not opposed to hunting, but opposed to elephant hunting. I I don't know elephants, lions, tigers, bears. Oh my, none of those, uh, none of those in in my mind are things I would want to hunt. But um, we're gonna have somebody on who's an expert and. Spend a lot of time on this issue. Uh, also, update you on the uh, Senator Rand Paul story because he got really brutally attacked viciously for no reason, and the media seems to think it's okay to mock him. We'll give you some of the latest uh, on that. Uh, and more. Oh, another day has passed, right? So we're all quite aware of the fact that that means that there must be more. Uh, sexual misconduct and sexual abuse allegations and and sure enough there are so we can address some of that with you we will address some of that together in just a little bit but first i have to say the most for me uh the most powerful 
uh, news clip for of the whole of the whole day, and I have to describe it to you, is this closed circuit television footage that was released of this uh, of this North Korean soldier who is just desperately trying to get across the border into South Korea. You'll see it's all over the news. This was just released today. It's all over the news right now. And it's not quite as, as, as an image goes, I'm, I'm not sure it'll, it'll be quite as timeless as that photo from space uh, where you see the north and the south and one is, south is all lit up at night because there's electricity and there's prosperity and also the light of freedom. It's, it's metaphorical and literal. Uh, and then in the north, it's darkness except for a little bit of light in Pyongyang, but not really much. It should be noted that just to live in Pyongyang, in the capital of North Korea, you have to be in favor with the regime. So that's there, there's a caste system that extends all the way to whether you're even able to live in the capital city. But in some ways, this video, which shows this North Korean soldier who's desperately trying to escape uh, from his country into South Korea by running across the joint security area. This was back on November 13th. Uh, It's even more visceral. It's more real than that photo from out of space because this is somebody who's literally running for his life. And North Korean soldiers, his his fellow soldiers, viciously uh, try to cut him down. They shoot him. Uh, He gets hit a number. I think he got hit five times. And was left for dead and then within a, a period of a few hours I believe you have South Korean soldiers because this was 55 well, it was 40 minutes later sorry not hours later 40 minutes later so he was bleeding out this soldier 55 yards south of the border with North and South Korea uh, and they went and they picked him up they took him to safety put him on a Black Hawk helicopter and he made it to surgery in Seoul, the capital of South Korea, and was saved, this uh, North Korean defector. But you see this video in real time, this guy running for his life, soldiers gathering around, shooting and shooting and shooting. Uh, and they, they hit him, uh, but he survived. So if you were ever looking for, uh, if you were ever looking for proof of what we, when we talk about things like freedom and the the dignity of the individual and, you know, in America, we're often fighting over uh, issues that matter in terms of policy. But I think that at our core, most of us still understand just how precious human freedom really is. I, I think a vast majority of us, I'd still say even in bipartisan fashion, people understand human freedom is a a powerful and beautiful thing. And we all yearn for it in different ways that North Korea has to resort to shooting people in the back who are desperately running away from their country tells you really everything you need to know about what life is like in North Korea, that any country would try to use lethal force to stop somebody from leaving is emblematic of the tyranny that North Korea inflicts on its people every day. 
I would not recommend over the holiday. Well, it depends on what you think holiday reading should be. I was going to say if you wanted to read Aquariums of Pyongyang or Escape from Camp 14, uh, they're both excellent books. They're tough. It's tough reading, though. It is it is difficult to really immerse yourself in the misery and slavery of North Korea because all North Korean citizens in one way or another are enslaved. It's just a question of degree. Uh, they do not have freedom. Um, and when you look at the follow-on report to this North Korean defector where doctors said that they found... You know, I know people are going to be, you may be listening to this as you're preparing food. I won't get into the specifics, but they found in his uh, GI tract parasites that were so big that the doctor operating on this, operating on this defector said he'd never seen anything like it in 20 years of surgery. Because people in North Korea are also eating, they're eating contaminated food. They don't have medical care. I mean, it is a, the whole country is really operating as a prison camp. Even those who are in the military and higher up in the North Korean caste system than many others, they still don't have freedom, and their lives could be forfeit at a moment's notice, and they, and they know that. So this is, it's a powerful video to watch. And as we have our debates and discussions about what would be best for this country, what are our obligations to protect our, uh, not just our citizens, but to protect our fellow human beings abroad, our allies, or just even people, in a country that are in desperate need of assistance. Um, we should remember that we are the exception. America, if we're going to be thankful for, uh, well, there's a lot of things to be thankful for, but if we're all going to be thankful for something that we can agree on and this Thanksgiving, it's that anyone listening to the show, if you are living in this country, if you're an American, you are so lucky. Watch that video of the defector running across the DMZ in North Korea and understand that think of the desperation that somebody would have. He knew that he was going to get shot at and probably get hit, probably thought he was going to die. It's amazing that he survived. And that is the, that is a daily life for millions of people in that country, that level of misery and that degree of despair. So if you're listening to this, and you, you're an American, or, or you just live in a country that has some degree of freedom, right, to our European and Canadian brothers and sisters and anyone else who's listening anywhere else in the world, uh, we are also lucky, but we're particularly lucky to be Americans. I know we, we spend a lot of time, and, and much of the, much of the uh, talk radio world is about, understandably, about criticism, about pulling apart lies, half-truths, propaganda, and there can be a negative tone to much of it. And I'm going to pull apart some lies and propaganda here in just a minute. So, you know, don't worry. We're going to get back into that in a second. But as I was watching this video of the North Korean racing across the DMZ, North Korean soldier getting shot by his fellow soldier, you know, they could have, well, now I was going to say they could have let him go, but no, then I'm sure they'd all be executed too, right? So it's, it's complicated in North Korea. Uh, as you watch that, though, the... The thought that went through my mind was, I am so thankful to be an American. This place is incredible. Yes, we have to be vigilant. We have to protect it. It's you know a republic if we can keep it. This country is incredible. Those of you who have served in, and not just in the military, just, I mean, of course, that's top of the list, but if, if you've spent time in a true 
despotism or if you spend time in a failed state, you know, a place where basic subsistence living is really tough for people. Uh, it's really tough to just stay alive, stay fed, stay healthy. You come back to America, it almost feels surreal. Uh, I've had this experience, and not just from some of the war zones that I've told you about where I've spent time, but some other places. Maybe one day I'll be able to tell you about, although we'll have to see. When you come back to this country and you're just surrounded with uh, emergency services that will be there to help you at a, at a, you know, within minutes, minutes of a phone call, the prosperity and the wealth and the freedom and just honestly the cleanliness that we all live in day in and day out. And I know some of you are like, Buck, you live in New York. Isn't, it, you know, isn't there dirt all over the streets? Yeah, but there aren't kids walking around here, you know, calf deep in raw sewage. I've been in places where that was the norm. You just walk around, there are kids literally walking around in, in, uh, you know, in urine and fecal matter up to the, uh, higher than their ankles. And no one even pays any attention to it because that's just the way it is. Um, I've been in places where life is is uh, short and many of the people in power think that life is cheap and pretty meaningless unless it's their own. And there's also trash everywhere. That's one of the biggest, those of you who have spent time in the third world know what I'm talking about. That's one of the biggest uh, things you notice about being in a country that is orderly. And also, I, I will tell you this, countries that are more orderly and more free are also in better shape in terms of things like, you know, having clean streets. Just reality. You go into places that are a mess, and politically, it is reflected in the trash that's just everywhere. And I mean everywhere. Um, it's, it's pretty stunning. And I know for, for those of you who have experienced it yourself, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those of you who haven't, I'm telling you, at some point, every American, if he can, look, it's expensive to go to, although there are some places to our south that certainly qualify as desperately poor, but if you can get to uh, some parts of uh, some parts of South Asia, Sub-Saharan Africa, the level of poverty that you will see is something that will stay with you forever. And I don't think any of I mean, I'm never going to make it to North Korea. Even if they said, hey, Buck, we'd love to have you, I would never go. I'm not because I'm not sure they'd let me go when I wanted to leave. But given my background, I, I'm not I'm not going to show up. I'm not going <laughs> to. My parents are like, good, good move, Buck. Yeah, I'm not going to North Korea. But that's the place where and I know people who have been, they say that you come back from there and you have a greater appreciation. All that, all the uh, American flags and pictures, of the Statue of Liberty and, you know. Just day-to-day American life that's around you, man, you appreciate it, and it is special. So we should just look at that video North Korea and all take a moment before we get into the rest of the news today here on the show to be thankful for this country, be thankful to be Americans. It is a blessing. It is incredible. And in the scope of human history, we are so lucky. 844-900-2825. Whatever you want to talk about. It's a free-for-all today. Free-for-all Wednesday, I guess we could call it. It's kind of like Freestyle Friday, but we wanted to change it up. Thanksgiving coming up. Topics are all over the place. Whatever you want to hit, we'll be right back. Why, well, you got to be some kind of great cop. Come in here all by yourself. Where's your partner? 
Where's your partner? Well, guys, the other one was upstairs. I have no idea what that is. What is that one? RoboCop. Ah, okay. Fair, fair, fair play. Definitely an action movie. I haven't seen that one in a while. It's back when people thought that Detroit was like the, the worst place on the planet. Uh, yeah, RoboCop. Okay, okay, Tyrone. Tyrone came to play today. All right, Mr. Tyrone. I see how it is. Denny in Georgia on the iHeart app. What's going on, Denny? Hey, Buck. Shields high. Shields high. Uh, yeah, I have a, a funny incident that happened uh, when I first introduced my wife to my family over in Miami. Now, let me give you the backdrop. I'm a first-generation Cuban-American. I was born in the United States, but my parents came from Cuba, you know, came legally from Cuba. And um, I was introducing my wife, uh, or at that time, girlfriend to my family. And we were doing Thanksgiving dinner. Well, they, she's never had a Cuban traditional dinner before. You know, the Americans would have a turkey. Well, we didn't do turkey. We didn't do Thanksgiving. We just, we just ate. But we were celebrating a, a traditional Thanksgiving dinner. But instead of a turkey, we were doing a pig. And uh, sure enough, when my mother, we, we prep everything before, you know, the dinner happens, like for the next day, my mother was prepping everything out, out and my wife was trying to help her and my mother said, no, 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 you, you can go away. You go away. And she comes up to me and she's like, dear, your, your mom won't let me help you. Help her uh, do a uh, Thanksgiving dinner. And I looked at her and I said, do you know how to cook Cuban food? And she goes, no, well, then you got no business in there. <laughs> hmm. It's Cuban. And I sure mean, enough, yeah, Cuban food's good. I like Cuban food. So, all right. And, and, and sure enough, she was wondering, I mean, what's the main course? I don't see her cooking a turkey. And I'm like, we're having pig. And I said, what do you mean? Said, where's the pig? And she didn't know. I had the pig right behind me. I got a nail stuck in the nose and a kite string, and I'm pulling right behind me. And she's like, oh, my God, you're going to actually kill that pig? I said, yeah, it's going to take me about five, ten minutes to kill him and, you know, prep him <laughs> the next day. And she's totally freaking out. And at that time, uh, I had two daughters. I had a five- and a four-year-old. And they're oblivious to what's going on. And sure enough, I told uh, my wife tells the kids that we're having pig. And they're asking, where's it at? And they take her to the utility room where the pig's all slaughtered, spread out on the rack. Get ready to put it in the barbecue. We've only got about 30 seconds here, Denny. Go ahead. Well, my kids look at the pig and they go, I think going to big owie. I don't think that pig's going to survive that. And I was like, nope, that pig's not going to survive that at all. <laughs> huh. All right. Thanks, Denny. Um, I, I didn't, I mean, I appreciate the enthusiasm. I missed the, was there a, like a punchline that I missed or something? What? Imagine the pig roaming around your home before. Oh, it was alive and then he yes, killed it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I missed that part. Okay. Sorry, Denny. Wow. That's, that reminds me of the scene in Forgetting Sarah Marshall where he's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I actually really, I actually like that movie, although it's a little graphic. We'll be right back. More on all the things. You need him alive. I don't give a about your war or your president. Is that your answer? I'm thinking about it. Think hard. Uh, is that a, what, Rambo? Oh, 
man. Escape I'm, from New York. Never Kurt seen Russell. it. Never, and a totally action movie, legit, but I've actually never seen it. Worth, should I see that one? It's Absolutely. good? Absolutely. Is that Kurt Russell? I am a, I am kind of a Kurt Russell fan. Tombstone is is a movie that I, I, I love, so... 1981, so he's still pretty spry. Okay. He, he could have probably went more into that action lane than yeah. he did, and for some reason didn't. I heard they were actually going to make remake Big Trouble in Little China at one point, but somehow that, that fell apart. Uh, anyway, let me get into uh, Tyrone's got me. You know, last time I got a little, you know, I got a little arrogant with the whole movie quote thing and was saying basically that I could not be, could not be duped, and here, here we are now. There have been some movie quotes that have tripped me up, so... Just go easy on me, team. If you're gonna call him in the day, you know, don't go, don't give me, don't give me any of the like uh, westerns from like the 1950s that don't really qualify as action movies. No quotes from that. All right, it's already, it's already been rough enough here. Uh, let's get into just for a moment. And then I'll take. We got a lot of lines lit. We'll take some calls. It's free for all. Free for all Wednesday. It's a holiday holiday show. Everybody. Hopefully, I'm. I was gonna try to play some holiday music but i was thinking i think november's too early for christmas music i know this is a thing i think november you know i think december yes you throw on the christmas music and just because it's christmas music doesn't make it good i'm just gonna put that out there but yes tyrone agrees thank you amy's also laughing which i think means she agrees too so just because you're calling it christmas doesn't mean that we should all and and Love Actually, I will tell. Love Actually is a movie that gets worse the more you think about it and the more you've seen it. So don't waste your time on Love Actually. There's much better Christmas movies. Uh, it's kind of a nihilistic Christmas movie, Love Actually, in some ways. I don't know. I'm not I'm not a fan. So well, at least some parts of it. Some parts of it are very nice, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Uh, I was going to play some thanks, but what is Thanksgiving music? I don't even, you know, doesn't, there's no music for Thanksgiving. Kind of weird when you think about it. It's kind of an oversight. Like, why why isn't there something that we play for Thanksgiving, but Christmas has all of its own music? I feel like there's there's something missing here. Okay. Trump has a Twitter account. I'm sure you're aware. And the Twitter account is often used by journalists as like, let's just talk about Trump's Twitter account. I try not to do that because... I don't find it all that interesting, and unless it's a matter of policy or national importance, what Trump is tweeting about, I don't tend to get too into it. But this feud with Lavar Ball uh, is is now it's now going to a whole new place. Let me just give you some of what Trump has put here on Twitter, and if you have, by the way, any thoughts on this, please do let me know. Here's what Lavar Ball had to say. I'm sorry. Here's what Trump had to say about Lavar Ball. It wasn't the White House. It wasn't the State Department. It wasn't Father LeVar's so-called people on the ground in China that got his son out of a long-term prison sentence. It was me, in all caps. Too bad. LeVar is just a poor man's version of Don King, but without the hair. Hmm. Just think, LeVar. You could have spent the next five to ten years during Thanksgiving with your son in China but no NBA contract to support you. But remember, LeVar, shoplifting is not a little thing. It's a really big deal, especially in China. Ungrateful fool, exclamation point. Uh, so, yeah, that's the, pres- that's, that's the president of the United States who's definitely uh, mixing it up, definitely getting into it with the the father of an NBA player, right? He, this, LeVar Ball is not—is is he famous— 
uh, himself, Tyrone, in any capacity other than as the father of an NBA player? He's a charismatic father. That's okay. That's, he's, that's but it. he's not. A, he is not a public figure before this. He pers- he's been a public figure for the last year or so because of his son, and he has made a lot of braggadocious things that his son's going to be the greatest player of all time in a lot of ways. You know how there's times where Trump will say something's the greatest? I think that's fair to say. Oh, yeah. He also says things, everything's the greatest. He, in a way, they're very similar in, in that way. Ah. They both, his son is a very solid NBA player who could possibly have a very good career. To LeVar said, oh, he's going to be better than Kobe Bryant, better than Jordan, better than... I get it, okay. So he's, he's like the like Oasis, you know, we're better than the Beatles, just why not? Say he, it so you get a He attention. said he could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one in basketball. He's a guy who never touched the NBA and barely played at a small college, but he would beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. Okay, so yeah, I get it. All right, so so he's a... I get it. So he's a, a big talker, but uh, look, President Trump, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't know, guys. You can let me know what you think about this. I'm sitting here, I'm like, what? How is this even... How is this even happening? The president's responding to this guy. I mean, it's not a big deal. I'm just talking about it because, you know, oh, do we, you got something? Well, so, you know, I'm a sports person. We've talked yeah. about this on the show. And the sports people, we kind of had his act kind of run its course. So when we saw the initial tweet, not this particular tweet, we were like, uh-oh. The whole world's going to see what we've been seeing for the last year that we were kind of done with. Like he tried to shop his reality show. Only Facebook. Oh, so this has breathed. A whole new life into the LeVar Ball uh, business and and career and right. uh, all that stuff. Right. Before, if he walked around a mall, sports fans probably now would know who he was. I mean, before these comments, now with the CNN interview and now the doubling up, now, now most people know who LeVar Ball is, and that's not gr- a great thing. Yeah. All right. Well, here we are. The, the president's going after, going after this guy on Twitter, and look, they've been going back and forth. It's... There you have it. Johnny in Alabama on the iHeart app. Happy Thanksgiving, sir. Hey, how you doing, Buck? I'm good. Hey, hey I uh, I uh, heard Tyrone play that thing about RoboCop a few minutes ago, and it uh, made me think of something I saw a couple of days ago on YouTube. It was one of those uh, Boston Dynamics uh, robots. I like to follow those things. They're doing a lot of advanced research. For you, are you talking about the the robot that was doing the backflips that went viral earlier this uh, week? Because that was pretty cool. Yeah, and, you know, I saw that, and I'm telling you, I told my brothers and my friends at work, I said, you know what? When I saw that, I got the same feeling that I got when I saw the second plane fly into the World Trade Center. Whoa, what do you mean? You know, I, th- I think I just saw something major happen here that is uh, signaling something in the future that might not be too good for us. I, I mean, uh, Johnny, I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare the, 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 uh, the murder of 3,000 Americans to watching a video on YouTube, my friend. So let's... I, let's, I understand what Yeah, let's, let's not. You know what I mean? Like, this is... That's not... I mean, I just got the same feeling that when I was sitting there on the couch watching that video of the, the buildings... No, no, I understand what you're trying to say. But I'm just, you know, let's let's keep let's keep 9/11 comparisons out of the out of the the YouTube video with the robot thing. I, I you're saying it's a big change in the future. I I, I get that. I, I think I'd never seen a robot move. For those of you who don't know, what we're talking about there's a ro- a video went viral this week of a robot that kind of moves like a person. It actually does a backflip on its own, and it's kind of humanoid in its uh, in its construction. So, um, but yeah, man, it's. 
you know, the, the robotics of the future are going to be very, you know, what we see in 10 years, people right now would be like, wow, I had no idea that was possible. So, Johnny, thank you very much yeah. for calling in. Uh, Mark in North Carolina, WPTI. Hey, Mark. Hello, Buck. How are you? I'm all right, sir. Thank you for calling in. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, happy Thanksgiving to you, and I really appreciate you taking my call. Of course, sir. What's on your uh, mind? Well, I am doing my absolute best not to fall into any conspiracy theory kind of traps. And I want to refer to the Las Vegas uh, shooting. And I have been doing as much as I can do to research and try to find answers to two or three very, very simple questions. But for the life of me, I mean, we're basically just getting crickets now out of uh, out of Las Vegas, and they're even being sued by like 17 different media outlets for just not saying anything. So if you would let me just ask about three questions and see if you know the answer, and if you don't, whether or not we could find out. And these are these are questions that were almost immediately answered in some of the other types of these events. Okay, Mark, let's get to it. What are your three questions? Okay, number one, we were told how many guns he had in the room, how many guns he had at his house, all about the, the uh, things were equipped with bump stocks and had piles of ammunition. So here's the question. What guns were actually fired what guns were actually used at that shooting? I don't care how many are sitting on the side of the wall. I want to know what was being shot, what kind of gun, what caliber, what ammo. Another thing that's been really popular amongst the uh, gun control people, and I'm getting nothing out of this, is what size were the magazines? Was he was he firing belt-fed ammunition or 100-round mags? I mean, there are a lot of gunshots in those videos, but nobody has said anything about magazines. And then in the last but not least category, uh, I'm kind of curious as to how many spent shell casings are, are laying on the floor. Because there's a lot of talk about there was another shooter and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we're being told this is the only guy, and he's dead. He shot himself dead. We knew that just as soon as we walked in the room. And I'm taking all that on face value. But, you know, if there's 300 shell casings on the floor, I don't think he can shoot, you know, 570 people. And they even said that there were 200 shots at the guy, the security guard, uh, out in the hall. So these are, again, to me, these are questions that could easily be answered. They were answered, you know, like in Sandy Hook. We know what kind of gun any guys supposedly used. But there's things about this that really matter. Mark, I, look, you're things- asking very, you're asking important and astute questions. I will say that offhand, remember this happened uh, weeks ago now, I, I don't have the hey, answers yeah. Um, I can ask my team here to, to look while I'm on air, and if we get some of those answers, my understanding was, and I, this could be wrong. This is just based on my memory, so don't no one right. no one should take this to the bank. My understanding was they said that it was a five it was five five six, and it was an AR that was being or AR fifteens that were being fired uh, with bump stock modifications. I don't think it was seven six two. I don't think he was firing seven six two. But I will also tell you that I had. 
a bunch of people that are listeners to this show, including uh, some with uh, prior prior military and uh, and you know real real experience, who said that the gunfire that they heard in the video sounded to them like belt fed. Now, I- I'm not a I'm a guy with some weapons training. I'm not a gun guy, and I, and I don't right, uh, pretend right. to be right. So I'm not somebody who could say, "Oh, I can, I could tell based on the yeah. on the I'm sound." The way. I, I really don't know, but I think that if if you really listen to how they say things in the press conferences, they say they found weapons with bump stocks. They did not say, or I didn't hear. Maybe I again. I'm just trying to get. No, the I, I hear you. Look, Mark, we we yeah. will uh, we have your questions here, and obviously they'll be on the on the podcast, and so we can play them back, and and I'll I'll dig in. I'll see if we get you some answers. But there are still some questions for which they do not yet have answers in Las Vegas. Most notably, what was the guy's motive? They still haven't given us a real answer to that. But uh, have a happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Thank you for calling. We have to roll into a quick break here. Uh, we will be talking about the latest you know, sexual misconduct allegations uh there's more there's more every day we'll get into that in the next hour um a little bit of a follow-up on charlie rose too and we got some we got some stuff planned here so uh stay with me for that be right back people who really want to have a good time won't come to a slaughterhouse and we've got entirely too many troublemakers here too many uh 40 year old adolescents felons power drinkers trustees of modern chemistry oh that's roadhouse patrick swayze which inexplicably he knows like taekwondo in that movie and (laughs) just just because you know just because and there are some of the most incredible hilarious and awful moments in any action movie i think really ever made in that movie roadhouse specifically there are lines in that movie that it is wow it is incredible um it's so bad it's good i think is maybe what you could say about roadhouse so we have that um i i wanted to note that uh where were oh we've got you know what i'll let's take a call we'll take some uh some calls here uh robert in mississippi you've been patiently waiting sir what's up not much i i know you're a well-educated man and i guess what my real question is what defines an action movie? I heard earlier you said you didn't want any quotes from the 50s uh, Western. But with something with the, would if I said, uh, once more into the breach, would you know that movie? And would that be an action movie? What, like Henry? Are we talking Henry the, the Fifth? Yeah, I mean, I'll yeah, say, of course I'll I say, even if you've never seen the book. That, you, that's I mean, Shakespeare, my man. Of course I got that one. Um, the Look, the uh, it's action movie is a little bit of a... It's more art than science, my friend. You know, you, you gotta you gotta be open to the the gray areas here a little bit. I mean, you know, somebody would ask me, "Is Braveheart one of my all time favorite movies? Is that an action movie, or is it a historical epic?" Or you know, it's not really clear. Does an action movie have to have firearms? If not, what's the difference between an action movie and a period piece where there's a lot of guys running around with swords, axes, and you know, my, my brothers rightfully make fun of me. They say that any movie where there's uh, dudes with beards, swords, axes, and, you know, uh, lots of mead being drunk, uh, that I'm into it. And that's probably true. So, Well, let me, uh, let me throw you one last one. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's from the 70s, so you may or may not get it. 
but here's the line. Here's that one of the short lines, and it does have a lot of shooting and bank robberies and everything else. So that's a bit of a hint. It's my brother Buck. Uh, it's my brother Buck. I have no idea. He can hit the buzzer on that. I got no idea. What is that? Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, Buck Morrow. Ah, never Clyde's seen it. Brother. Never seen it. Yeah, right. they just had the same name, so I thought you would enjoy no, it. No, hey, I appreciate it, man. Look, have a great Thanksgiving, Robert. Thank you very much for hey. calling in. Shields high, brother. Uh, yeah, you know, action movie. Look, I'm not, I'm not saying it's exact here, right? I mean, sometimes we got to go to the judges. And by the judges, I mean my team here in the hut. You know, I go to them, and they kind of give me the, you know, the thumbs up or the thumbs down. little interesting factoid. You know, there's some dispute among historians as to whether, since I mentioned historical epics, in the Colosseum, when the Roman emperor would put the thumb up or thumb down at the end of a martial contest in the arena uh, between gladiators. Some, we've always thought that thumbs up meant, you know, keep them alive. Thumbs down meant, you know, stick them with the sword or the trident or whatever you got. Uh, But there are some historians who actually believe that it was thumbs down, keep them here on earth. Thumbs up, send him to the gods. Yeah, I know, right? Mind blown. So think about that while you're uh, making your candied yams and, I don't know, maybe sautéing some spinach. See, here's my thing about stuffing. I'm just going to put this out there. I just think if you don't put some kind of meat in your stuffing, you're missing an opportunity. I just want to go on the record, right? Sausage, maybe some ground beef of some, I don't know, something. There should be some form of meat inside your stuffing, which goes inside a turkey, which is meat. The avalanche of uh, sex abuse and harassment allegations continues, as I said, every day. There's more. I I cannot remember the last weekday when there was not some report about another person, member of uh, the Hollywood, uh, member of person in Hollywood, member of Congress, uh, this just has become the new normal for right now, at least. You had the co-founder of Pixar, which I think makes like animated uh, some, what cars and um, well, I forget what the big. I, I don't know. I don't have kids, so I haven't seen a lot of. Not that I, I know cartoons aren't just for kids, but a lot of the Pixar stuff I think is geared towards a younger audience. Uh, I know they've made a, a ton of money. Uh, but the co-founder of Pixar is on leave. No one's ever heard of that guy before, but he he's uh, apparently uh, apparently he had a crusty paw, if you will. Um, then we have some members of Congress and some politicians who have also gotten caught caught in the uh, machinery of outing harassers and abusers. So that has happened as well. Representative John Conyers has been accused of sexual misconduct by a second woman. And I just want to say, well, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about this, but one is that it's important that we have some sense of what we're talking about here. When I mean, I mean specifics. It is important that we know, because otherwise, just the very broad terminology of uh, harassment, abuse, you know, assault has to be actual physical, unwanted, right? Or, you know, physical without consent. Uh, but, you know, we, we need things like people say that, you know, uh, harassment allegations. Are we just talking about some words? Are we talking about, you know, I got very, uh, very annoyed earlier in the week when some people who, for inexplicable reasons, are given very prominent 
political perches from which they uh, make their pronouncements. All right, I got to stop. The alliteration was unintentional. But the saying that, oh, well, Clarence Thomas, you know, that was it wasn't Bill Clinton that got us going in this whole direction with hyperpartisan defense of sexual misconduct. It was Clarence Thomas. Well, Clarence Thomas was accused of making some comments, from what I understand, from what I remember. That's it. Clarence Thomas didn't assault anyone, didn't abuse anybody physically. None, none, of, none of that happened, okay? So there, there should be immediately a separation between words and actions. And, and then within actions, is it just professional retaliation or something that's, again, very wrong, but that would be in a civil legal proceeding? Versus anything that's physical and and uh, abusive or uh, falls in the category of assault, then that would be a, a, crim- a possible criminal proceeding. So it's just hard to keep all of this straight because we're just seeing the headlines and they don't necessarily have all that much in the way of information to let us know. Well, what are we talking? What are we really talking about here? Was this someone said something in the in the 1990s that was really uh you know, gross or rude. I don't know. I don't know if somebody saying something 30 years ago that was inappropriate for a workplace setting is really a news story that I need to hear right now. I'm just, I'm trying to draw some lines. I'm trying to draw some boundaries. I think somebody assaulting somebody, sure, that we want to know, but somebody saying something, that would seem to me to fall into the category of, okay, are we... Are some people now starting to take advantage of this moment to settle old scores or and we should be very aware of that. I should note that uh, there was a an exchange with Jake Tapper and a, a woman who writes for Teen Vogue. And I give I give credit where it's due. And Tapper uh, took this nonsense put out by this woman named Emily Linden to it took the nonsense to the woodshed, so to speak. I mean, really uh, laid waste to the uh, the contention here by Emily Linden, who writes for Teen Vogue, which I don't even know Teen Vogue was still a thing, just to be honest with you, but it is a thing. She wrote, sorry if some innocent men's reputations have to take a hit in the process of undoing the patriarchy. That is a price I am absolutely willing to pay. Uh, Tapper responded, I'm guessing you didn't get a good grade for your seventh grade book report on To Kill a Mockingbird. And then she went back and and, and basically said that he was piling on. And his response was, I read the thread. Uh, you said if some innocent men's reputations have to take a hit in the process of undoing the patriarchy, that is a price I'm absolutely willing to pay. That's immoral. And it's not a price you'd be willing to pay, by the way. It would be innocent men doing that. When I've been telling you that this is going to be weaponized and abused in the future, especially for political purposes, it's a certainty. Okay, it's just a question of when and what cases and what instances. And you're already seeing some from the left. No surprise. Who will come out and say that, yeah, we're going to we're going to do that. We're going to abuse it. Don't worry that that's coming. I should note that Ezra Klein, who is a very well-regarded Uh, pundit in left wing and far left circles. He was like under the Obama administration. That guy was like practically the king of MSNBC. Uh, He, I will never forget, said that if some men, you know, if, if some men are wrongly accused of rape on campus, 
as part of dealing with the sexual assault epidemic on campus. You know, that's just it, it's good if men are going to be scared because of that. That I'm paraphrasing. That was basically what he said. I thought that was a terrifying thing for somebody who's got a platform and a public intellectual to say. But this is a a sentiment that is held on the left. We have to be careful that this this purge of the perverts does not turn into something akin to a French Revolution. You know, meets the uh, the sexual counter revolution or whatever you'd call it. But remember La Terreur which was during the French Revolution, became an all-consuming movement of violence for violence's own sake. And people who, you know, Robespierre and people who were at first at the forefront of the movement were eventually even consumed by it themselves and executed. Uh, We don't want this to turn into an inquisition of sorts. This needs to be based on facts and fairness and logic and reason and if we don't keep a very close eye on this, there will be there will be uh, reputational and professional casualties at a minimum from this movement of uh, allegations that are coming out. I mean, we still no one's really encapsulated what to call this, but this is this is dominating the news day in and day out. And it, it has really changed the uh, changed the landscape of this whole issue of sexual harassment and sexual assault. Uh, I should also know that there was, I think it was Dylan Byers, who is at CNN, I want to say. I should note that he tweeted out that that basically we're losing a lot of talent in the media because of these allegations. And I just think that's such a, if you're looking for a way to encapsulate the arrogant and delusional point of view that many journalists have, that was a great moment because one, who cares? Based on what a lot of the guys like Charlie Rose, they didn't deserve the job in the first place. Okay, they should have been fired a long time ago. And Charlie Rose, I think, is going to should have to empty out his pockets. I don't know what the statute is on civil actions for sexual harassment, but you know he should have to write some big checks to some people. Uh, but also, this notion that some of these prominent, particularly they're really talking to Democrats here, some of these prominent journalists, that there's such a loss. I'm just going to come out and say it. I don't even know why Charlie Rose was famous in the first place. I think he's just been around a long time. Friends with uh, the right people in the executive suites of the various news organizations. You know, I mean, I I could sort of do a a soft voice interview with a dark backdrop, too. I don't really get I I know. I don't know hundreds of people who can very well. There was nothing special about Charlie Rose. It was all just a construct. Very lucky to have come up at a time when if you played your cards right, you could be given an incredibly uh, rarefied perch in the media and be really overpaid. And everyone's supposed to think you're so great when the the reality is, well, why? I I remember working as an intern at CBS Evening News and everybody walked around there like they were worshiping Dan Rather. And this is before everyone, this is before the whole National Guard document thing. And I was 18 years old, and I was like, why does everyone think this guy's so special? There's nothing special about him. Sitting here in meetings, hearing him talk, not that smart, it's not that interesting. I don't get it. But, you know, has just been in the game a long time, and sounds like this when he's on television. You know, this notion that, oh, we've, we've lost all this, this talent in media. Think about it the other way. And Byers, I should note, has gotten 
annihilated on Twitter. I don't even know the guy. I, I think he writes for CNN. Is that CNN? Is he a CNN guy? Dylan Byers? I don't know. I think I'm, I'm going from memory. I think that's the guy who put out that tweet. If not, apologies. Uh, but then there's also, forget about the guys that, that were losing and whether they're talented or not. I would offer to you, first of all, we don't care because they're, they're scum. But second of all, uh, they're not that talented. They're just really lucky. You have a lot of that in media. In fact, I would I would say to you that in in the TV news business, look, you know, to some of some people they write and I will. Radio is the hardest. Radio is a lot harder than TV. Shh, don't tell anyone I told you that, but it's true. Radio is a lot harder than TV. It requires a lot more energy, a lot more prep. There's no question. That's why I love doing this because it separates certain people who just want to be on camera and and want to male and female just want to look pretty and sound authoritative from people who have something to say, a lot to say, and really care about their information, their message, the uh, the stories. Uh, so anyway, that's a little plug for why I think radio is so special and so powerful. But this, you know, oh, Charlie Rose, what we do without him. Let's keep in mind that there are young women who were probably never the same professionally and personally after their Charlie Rose incidents. There was a lot of talent, I'm sure, that, whether we're talking Weinstein, Charlie Rose, uh, Brett Ratner, a lot of very talented, hardworking, decent people, women in these cases. Although not, I mean, there's also the, the Kevin Spacey stuff, right? There have been some men that were the victims of, of predators, too. Uh, but a lot of talented women were probably driven out of the industry because of this or never really reached their full potential because this was really damaging for them. It really scarred them. So I just... There's such a there's an arrogance among journalists, among media types, especially those who this is all they've done. I'm just going to say it. People who haven't ever had another job, I think, have a very different view of this. Like just the other day, I was speaking to some friends when I was in D.C. and and some other people were, were in the room. We're having a meeting, talking about some work stuff. And I told them the story about how I ended up doing this. They're like, what? You were like, you're going to business school. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm going to work for a website and do some TV, maybe. Yep. I just kind of decided to do it. I've had another job that wasn't, oh, look at me. I, I want to, you know, I want to be on TV or whatever. So I think there's a very different perspective that a lot of us who had previous lives before media have about this. Uh, and, and, and we know we're, we're not special. You know, we know we're not. Ooh, we're so great. It's we're we're lucky. We're fortunate. And it's because of all of you, the listener or the viewer, that any of us even have a job. So it should be with with a tremendous humility that anybody who's lucky enough to work in the media industry approaches their job every day. That's how I feel about it. And I just, I just think it's, it's amazing. You get these, uh, these journalists who take this attitude of, Oh, we're so, and by the way, now if, if you're a big journalist, you want to be on TV too. There are very few big name print journalists who aren't desperate or, you know, at, at all times trying to get on TV in one way or another. Yeah. Um, but there are very few who I think uh, on the left these days who are trying to get on TV would be the exception to the rule here. And the rule is that you, you can look at the arrogance of a TV news journalist and know that it's really just a, it, there's an inverse relationship between arrogance and actual ability. <laughs> right? So so many of the most arrogant, the Charlie Roses, the Dan Rathers, the. Yeah, you know, go down the list of all these different guys that have had, you know, Peter Jennings. I'm not, I'm sorry, not Peter Jennings. Who was the guy, pardon me, he passed away. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about him. Who was the guy that did the whole, uh, 
what's his name? I've forgotten his name now. No, 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 no. The guy who said, you know, he was there on the front lines with Delta Force doing fly kicks and, you know, Brian Williams. Thank you. Brian Williams. Right. He was like, stand aside, Delta. I'm clearing this house. Uh, that guy. That's what I was trying to think of. And Delta was like, really? He's like, that's right. Rock and roll, baby. Got my silenced MP5 here and my pencil to take notes for my story tonight. Brian Williams, out. Um, but the, the the more arrogant they are, usually it's the more insecure they are, and that's why they take the attitudes that they do. It's because they're actually just not that good at what they do. They're not that talented. They've just been really, really lucky. And a little bit, I turned into more of a discourse on media than sexual harassment, which I guess we could return to in a moment here. Uh, 844-900-2825. Thanksgiving thoughts. Story you want me to talk about in the news. Whatever you got, light them up. We'll be right back. You know, there is a member of Congress who has been supportive of women for many, many years. He is quiet. He is confident. He is powerful. But he has impeccable integrity on all of our issues. Give John Conyers a big round of applause. Yeah, about about John Conyers, a representative uh, from Michigan, Democrat. Uh, he now has fellow Democrats telling him that uh, he calling for his resignation because of now multiple credible sexual harassment. Right? There's more. We got more than one. Once is more than one. Then he. Oh, is it just, is it one or is it more than one? Oh no, yeah, no, multiple too. Okay. So he's got multiple what they're calling credible allegations against him. I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen much in the way of the specifics. Representative Kathleen Rice of New York says that Representative Conyers should resign. I've reviewed the allegations against him and they are as credible as they are repulsive. So I guess she has access to it. I should note that Congress, because Congress likes to live by literally its own set of rules, whether it's inside insider trading. Oh, yeah, that's right. They exempted themselves from that. You go to prison, my uh, wonderful friends in the audience. You go to prison if you do insider trading. If you're in Congress, you know, they're busy. They, they got to make a little, a few extra bucks on the side with inside information they have from Congress. Uh, you know, you know, if, like whether they're going to pass an infrastructure bill or not, for example, you know, that, that may be kind of a valuable thing to know. Um, anyway, and also Obamacare, they exempted themselves from that. Congress likes to live by two sets of rules. They hide sexual harassment settlements from us. They are kept confidential as part of the process that Congress has set up for itself. But Conyers uh, is, in, is in a little trouble here. People are asking him to step down. The only allegation that I'm familiar with in terms of the specifics with regard to Congressman Conyers is that he made an advance on a woman and then fired her when she said no, basically, uh, which is which is. Really bad. I mean, in the sexual harass in the non-criminal but sexual harassment in the office realm, that's really bad. That's the that's a big problem. Uh, and I should note Al Franken, who had all these women come and write a letter for him from SNL, uh, as though uh, you know that that doesn't. I, I don't know. They're not addressing the specifics of the allegations. They're saying no, he's really nice. Okay. Well, that's. That's not going to change anything here. Uh, Al Franken now has two more women who have come out and said that he has groped them. So there's definitely there's a there's a problem here. 
Uh, Robert in Georgia, listening uh, on the iHeart app. Hey, Robert. Yes, sir. I, and by the way, thank you, as always, for having one of the most intelligent and insightful commentary shows on the air. Thank uh, you so much, sir. And Android podcast. All right. So this is, I know we're talking about the important subject of sexual harassment and apparently how SNL is giving indulgences to Al Franken. But I want to call about an important flag in the field regarding action movie, quote, Friday. You got 40 seconds, so go ahead. All right, for your serious consideration and your staff, a way to fix it, okay? Because you were at the top of the hour, say action movies could be this or that. I say no, sir. There is no room for wishy-washiness in action movie, quote, Friday. The simple solution, you go to IMDb, you put in the title. Right below the title, it's going to say first, not second, not third, first, whether it's an action movie. If it says action, it qualifies. If it doesn't, I say slipping standards, but it leads to communism, and we don't want that. And we don't want the we don't want the communists to win, Robert. I'm with you, man. I like no. this. I am IMDb. It's got to be first, not second, not third. Action, and that qualifies. I like it. We're going to institute the Robert standard here, Robert. Man, thank you, Shields. High. Have a great Thanksgiving. I like that. That's that's legit. All right, Tyrone. We will put that into effect. Let's talk some Thanksgiving stuff here. We're going to loosen it up even more. Stay with me. Okay, I figured I'd give you all a special treat. We have our friend Jimmy Fela on the line now. He is a professional stand-up comic, a, a former New York City cab driver, and radio host of Off the Meter with Jimmy Fela. Jimmy, hey, what's man. up, my friend? How are you doing? Good, man. Happy Thanksgiving Eve. That's a sound starting that now. I'm Happy Thanksgiving Eve. I know. I agree. I agree. Why I think not? that's something we we should put out there. I also I, I want to get your quick take on. I think there should be Thanksgiving music. We have Christmas music. Well, by that metric, it should start in June. It would start like the <laughs> day after Memorial Day. We're pretty much my wife. By the way, somehow got roped into that, and we have Christmas lights up right now. Which means, like, I I basically do live in like a CVS at this point. We're going to be putting out Valentine's Day candy next week. It's just we're all living on an accelerated pace, box section. Yeah, I just whatever CVS offers me in the seasonal aisle, that's what I go for. You know, <laughs> especially if there's if they're giving me like thirty percent off or something. That's that's how I roll. So, Jimmy, I, I, can I get your take? Are you familiar with the Texas Congressman uh, Joe Barton situation? Yes, uh, which sounds a lot like revenge porn to me. By the way, like me, what I mean by that is if they were in a consensual relationship, he sent a girl a picture and then she outed it. Isn't that in a lot of ways revenge porn, or am I missing? Something? No, that what, what? Okay, now see, I think a lot of people jump right to it's. I mean, the photo is blurred; it's out there. You know, yeah. it's on some sites. People go for the you know the blurred versions are out there. Um, uh-huh. And he's a he's an older guy, so I think there's a bit of a shock that you know. Usually, we think of the millennial generation; they're the ones that are yeah. doing this kind of stuff. But to your point about a a possible revenge porn situation, this same conduct in, I know, California, for example, Uh would in fact be a criminal act on the part of the leaker. That is law now. So, you know, our our conceptions of this are changing. And I think it's, you know, this has been he somebody clearly outed him to really hurt him right or outed these photos to really hurt him right now, given all the other stuff that's happening out there. But there's nothing illegal about what he no. did at all. No one even suggests that there is. As you said, it's believed that this was a consensual relationship between two adults. It shows poor judgment, but I think some people out there are thinking, okay, so if my wife and I, and now this wasn't his wife, I know it was, uh, it was, you know, he was getting a divorce, wasn't yet divorced, but, you know, if, if my wife and I at some point in the future 
uh, were to get divorced and she, and I wanted to run for office and she put all of our exchanges out there, including some stuff that husbands and wives might want to share with each other. Does that disqualify yeah. you from public office? I mean, I think people oh, need yeah. to start thinking about this. Yeah, well, that's that. That's. The I mean, by the way, I would say absolutely not. So go ahead, Jimmy. <laughs> oh no! If me and Jenny fail to break up, that's the end. You know, I don't. I, you know, <laughs> this this phone goes immediately. Like I carry around a vial of arsenic just in case. Like that's one of my great fears is when people talk even about like talking dogs because your dog sees so many things that would, that would you know potentially sink any ambitions you might have in the political realm. But the reality is. I think what's going on, uh, like especially right now, is we've kind of just incentivized any, t- any type of sexual activity. Like in this instance, it's not actually bad. Like I was talking about this earlier with somebody. It's almost as if, you know, we owe Anthony Weiner an apology. Because, you know, obviously the creep and what he Well, no, the underage stuff is clearly very, very illegal, no, no, right? You can't, That's... you can't forgive that. You can't forgive that on any, on any level. But what I'm saying is, you know, it seemed like such a far more innocent time when we were just upset about messages like this. Like, this struck me as something that should have come out tomorrow as a throwback Thursday, because it really does harken back to a simpler time of sexual misconduct when, you know, phone pictures are nothing. Well, like, I, I will say that I, I, was, I was on set at a, at, a non, at a non-Fox television show a while back, and uh, a female journalist said, you know, we are going to reach a point in the future when, when, when fully like fully naked selfie uh, that's uh-huh. been leaked out into the public by somebody no longer becomes something that even gets all that much outrage or attention or anything because it's no, so you, you common. Really gotta, if people see the really numbers gotta, on how many individuals share intimate photos with their intimate partner, I know for people listening, they're like, "Who does that?" Uh, if you're under the age of forty, the numbers are pretty high. They're actually staggering. And what I'm always amazed at about that is in this instance, it's like a full body shot. So there's really no good way to do it. But I don't know who these guys are that are sending their own unit. Don't you have like a stunt unit? Don't you have like a, a second string that you send in in instances such as this? Like that, I, I've never, I was always amazed at people who send their own thing, but they do it. And it's like a lot of people's opener. And I almost feel like I, I should blame Brett Farr for this. Because this really he off. yeah he was one of the ones early on that was that was known to uh, known to have done this so look and again this was not as I understand it Texas Congressman Joe Barton he wasn't sending this to employees or people in the no. workplace this was no. to his girlfriend well the big you know what the big problem is though man like every we only have one gear now for the rage machine so every offense is grouped under the same umbrella meaning somehow. You know, Roy Moore doing what he might have done with an underage girl falls into the same category as somebody saying something crass. I was just talking about this. The the, the people that are coming out with, oh, some comments were made in the 90s. I'm like, wow, that's those must have been some really profoundly disturbing (laughs) words. I think we're really reaching here. But I think the danger of it is because there's such a big proliferation of this stuff and all of it is identified as the most vile and heinous reprehensible thing in the world. If everything's the worst thing in the world, it means nothing matters. Meaning if everything's offensive, nothing's offensive. And I think people have already become desensitized because to think back to this Texas situation, there was a time where that picture would have owned the news cycle for 48 hours. Even think about a guy. Oh yeah. In an an era of Harvey Weinstein employing like an army of, 
of uh, of people to help him and and to defame accusers and everything else. Like this Texas congressman thing is is yeah. is very is very low on the scale of of the outrage meter. Oh yeah, this guy's a mom and pop. You know, who I really feel bad for it too, on a weird level. Like somewhere, somewhere, Mitt Romney has to be thinking about the binders full of women comment and feel like he got a raw deal. Like we ran him out of town for saying he had binders full of women. And oh, he definitely got a raw deal. That was that was completely. It was so cynical when the Democrats were running with that stuff. It's like Mitt Romney is like you know a, a cross between Ned Flanders. And Thurston Howell the third. I mean, you know, the guy is not a problem for, for women at all. And he, so. said, and he said he wanted to hire people. He said that's that's the one thing that you know they're reaching. You know that whole strategy on the left is, you know, label the opposition and stifle debate. So if you can depict somebody as the worst guy in the world, you know, that's kind of the strategy and they like to run behind that shield. But when you are actually trying to convince the world that the most deviant, horrible person on the planet happens to be a Mormon like you really? Oh, they, they look. The Democrats. I've been saying this. Look what they've been. The way they've treated Rand Paul after he's been attacked. They don't. Yeah. They don't even make any. You know, even Republicans that are completely good, decent, inoffensive guys by any yeah. standard imaginable. They they yeah. treat them all like uh, you know everybody is Attila the Hun. But Jimmy, we got to go in about a minute. I just want to ask Thanksgiving. What mm-hmm. what 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 is it like in the in the Fela household? It's a it's an exercise in cheating death with a fork and a knife. Like, there really does become a point, Buck, where a meal makes the jump from a meal to a cry for help. And I do believe tomorrow at 3 p.m. at Marianne Fales' house, we'll be engaging in what could only be described as a cry for help. There's a lot of food. Going. The single the single best food on offering at a the, Thanksgiving feast God, is what? I, I believe it's the mac and cheese, which a lot of people aren't pro mac and cheese at Thanksgiving, but I think it gives it kind of a southern barbecue hue. And we eat a mac and cheese tomorrow with three pounds of cheese in it: Gruyere, white cheddar, and Parmesan. I'm, I'm just telling you, Buck, I need help. Tyrone's got some. He's going to have some comments on this because I can see he's like basically jumping and and uh, and clapping and cheering over there for your Gruyere in the mac. So we'll, well be talking I'm about. I'm glad this. he's happy because I'm probably getting two toes cut off on Friday because of the gout I'm going to get from the meal. So you know, actually, gout somebody... is people believe it comes from eating rich food. It turns out it's actually genetic. I'll have you know, a, a misconception, an urban story? legend. Yes, a Buck Sexton fake MD on the radio, just dropping some knowledge here. All right, I, Jimmy, we, Jimmy, we love you. We want you to have a great Thanksgiving. Where can people find your stuff? Uh, Jimmy Fallon on Twitter. Watch my one-hour special, State of the Union, on Amazon Prime. Streaming now. It's ranked number one, Buck Sexton. We're making moves. Let's I'm checking it out this weekend, my man. Talk to you soon. Great back, Thanksgiving. Buddy. All right, team, we'll be back. We'll be back with more right after. Stay with me. Senator Rand Paul got viciously attacked uh, recently, and it is... It is not something that's really got enough attention in the media. Um, I should note that Rand Paul was also at the baseball field in Alexandria some months ago when a would-be mass assassin tried to tried to shoot a, a whole bunch of members of Congress, conservatives, right? A a left-wing would-be assassin shot Steve Scalise and fortunately uh, was taken out by two members of uh, Capitol Hill police, uh, two heroes to law enforcement warriors. Um, but the Rand Paul story hasn't gotten nearly enough attention, in, in my opinion. Here's the latest from Fox News. Kentucky Senator Rand Paul's wife is accusing the media of making things worse for her husband as he recovers from an attack by a neighbor that left him badly injured earlier this month. 
Quote, it is incredibly hurtful that some news outlets have victimized Rand a second time as he struggles to recover. Uh, Kelly Paul accused some outlets of delighting in hateful headlines like not a perfect neighbor and concocting theories about an ongoing dispute based on nothing more than uh, on nothing more than speculation from an attention seeking person with no knowledge of anything to do with us. Um, after the incident, the Louisville Courier Journal ran a story titled Rand Paul is not a perfect neighbor, says community developer. Uh, Kelly Paul said such characterizations are wrong and had nothing to do with a landscaping dispute and uh, and that she says this was, quote, not a scuffle, a fight or an altercation. It was a deliberate blindside attack. The impact left ran with six broken ribs, three displaced, pleural effusion and now pneumonia. This has been a terrible experience made worse by the media's gleeful attempts to blame Rand for it, ridiculing him for everything from mowing his own lawn to composting. So, you know, okay, end quote. That's all from the Fox piece here. I know that uh, Kelly Paul, Mrs. Paul, wrote on CNN.com. You know, I I would like to remind, especially the liberal media, of moments like this. When they become all indignant and and get all upset and and hissy about how Republicans seem to view politics as as increasingly zero sum these days, they should remember that on the most apolitical of issues, right, which in this case, a vicious assault that I mean, Rand Paul could have been killed. Anybody who knows anything about fighting, which I will tell you, by the way. 95% of journalists know nothing about fighting, have no training to defend themselves or others, and are journalists are overwhelmingly, look, I mean, there's obviously former Marine recon guys who are journalists too, right? But overwhelmingly, journalists are a, uh, and media types, right, are are a wimpy profession and don't know, for example, that in a fight, you get hit the wrong way, you can go blind. You can fall down, hit your head on the sidewalk and die. Uh, You know, there's any number of ways that a fight is not what, you know, all they know about fighting is what they've seen on TV. And having been in a few scuffles myself, fights uh, are no fun, uh, no matter what the situation is. Win or lose, fights are uh, really, you know, stuff you want to avoid at all costs. And getting ambushed by somebody, getting blindsided, getting sucker punched is for those of you who have ever experienced it, you know, even even more dangerous, right? I mean, at least in a fight, you're squaring off against somebody. You have a chance to defend yourself, but your body also, your endorphins will go. There's a preparation. Whereas, and you can see this from different videos, if someone just gets blindsided and uh, and gets hit, you know, especially hit in the face or in the head, they go down like, like a sack of, of potatoes because their body has no preparation whatsoever for it. And that's really, really dangerous. And that sounds like what happened to Rand Paul here. But when the media tries to lecture us all about how we need to be more bipartisan and, oh, they want to talk about how Republicans have tossed aside morality, that the, that, that Democrats don't see that Rand Paul is a really uh, thoughtful and reasonable guy who poses no threat to anybody, that Democrats can't. See that Rand, you know, if any uh, if any Republican is one that they should say, you know, hold on a second. All right. This isn't some terrible human being. This is somebody who is a human being and deserves sympathy. You'd think Rand Paul would at least be kind of high on their list. 
but they won't make exceptions for any Republicans. They just have a a hatred for anybody with an R next to their name on TV and that there's been so much nastiness in the media over Rand Paul. I'm like, you know, I'll look, I'll just say it. You know, I think Rand Paul would be actually a very, a very good president. I don't think Rand Paul wants to, uh, I don't think it's all about ego for him. I don't think he's trying to rub people's noses and being wrong, or you know, I don't think he's some kind of megalomaniac, which they, they seem to dominate American politics uh, in the last, you know, go back how many decades, right? There's a lot of egomaniacs in politics and that they are just as nasty, just as nasty to Rand Paul as they would be to any other Republican or anyone else who disagrees with them politically. It just goes to show you that they've abandoned a, a certain common decency because they're, the emotional aspect of their political beliefs has corrupted many other Parts of their lives, right? Because they're so emotional about politics and they're screaming at the sky and they're snowflakes and, you know, oh, gosh, you know, Trump's fascism is here. They are uh, willing to be really horrible when it comes to what's just human suffering. I mean, Rand Paul got attacked by a maniac for no reason. And he's been in a tremendous amount of pain. And he's look, he's got a wife. He's got kids. How about, how about a little sympathy? How about a little common decency? You know, I, I, I can tell you this. I would never celebrate, mock, ridicule in, in any way, uh, you know, act like it was some good thing. If even the Democrats in the media, some of whom have come after me personally in the past publicly, you know, if they got attacked and really badly hurt, or if they're in a really bad car accident, you know, I'm not some scum i'm not a jerk i I don't want people to get hurt because i disagree with them and and if i ever did that if i was ever celebrating somebody's you know i I would be ashamed of myself right it's just this is really basic stuff but the fact that senator paul's wife felt the need to write this and and i think she's right i've seen people that have you know on social media on twitter said really nasty stuff about Rand paul i'm like really Rand paul i mean not that it's ever okay but this is the guy that you're gonna you're gonna be you know, dancing in his hospital room in front of him because, you know, you know, nah, 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 you're a Republican and you're in tremendous pain and now have pneumonia. What the heck is wrong with people? I'm sorry. You know, increasingly liberalism in this country, political liberalism, it's like a it's like a mental disease. It really is. It just it corrodes otherwise sound and reasonable people and turns them into moral defectives. It just does. So I know it's Thanksgiving coming up and I want to be, you know, as cheery as I can today on the show. But it just really bothered me, really bothers me this whole way. And these are people in the media and people that never even been in a in a schoolyard scuffle, you know, and they're just laughing at Rand Paul got his ribs kicked in literally. Anyway, I hope for a speedy recovery or as speedy as possible uh, for Senator Paul and I think he's a really good and decent public servant. I've interviewed him before many times. I I think he's a solid dude. I think he's good for this country. And even if he were the worst politician in the country, I would still be praying for a speedy recovery for the guy. He's got a wife and kids, you know. know, Liberal media, stop being such a bunch of savages, really. You know, know, it's time to lock it up, you know, get it together. All right, we're going to talk about hunting here in a few minutes. Uh, We'll discuss the big game hunting issue. So... 
Should people be able to hunt elephants and why would they? We'll address that right after the break. All right, team, welcome back. I told you that we would revisit the issue of big game hunting with somebody who is both an expert in the subject matter and also takes the position that big game hunting is a good thing. And uh, I, I want to hear his side of it. I'm, I'm open-minded on the subject, although I've told you that I uh, come at this from a certain perspective. We have Paul Babaz on the line right now. He is the president of Safari Club International, which defends hunters' rights. Paul, thank you so much for making the time. I know you're probably heading off to Thanksgiving soon. Thank you, Buck. I appreciate you having me. Uh, so the president has not Final or the administration has not made a final decision yet on elephant trophies from Zimbabwe and Zambia specifically. But this kicked up a whole discussion where you had people who were saying, OK, hold on a second. Why would we why would we want to allow or encourage? Why would we want to encourage hunting of animals like elephants for a lot of us? And, Paul, I'm very upfront about this. I'm fine with hunting. I've been hunting. I was hunting uh, a month ago. But there's something about animals that are endangered or threatened and also animals that well have a, a certain place we, we have a certain uh, emotional or psychological connection to them because of movies and tv uh, that it just seems strange so so why should big game hunting of elephants lions these other uh, creatures in africa specifically why is it a good thing and why should we support this well, Buck, and I get it. I understand where you're coming from. For someone, you know, that, that actually is a hunter, maybe in North America, um, hunting elephants, and it is an iconic species, and it does draw a lot of emotion. What we're referring to here is what we call sustainable use conservation, which has been in place over 100 years in North America. You may have heard of the North American Conservation Model, founded by Teddy Roosevelt, where if it pays, it stays. That's the term people use. The revenue derived from hunting whether it's North America or any other country, in this case we're talking Africa, there's a tremendous amount of revenue. That's where the money comes from to fund the conservation programs. Um, you know, poaching is obviously a serious problem uh, when we're talking about some of the iconic species in Africa. And I want to be up front and tell everyone uh, that's listening, poaching and hunting are not synonymous. They're not the same thing. Poaching is an illegal activity. Hunting is a legal, regulated activity based on scientific data. Um, so when it comes to, to to elephants, for example, right now the Balcher, you know, to do the census counts, there's approximately 80,000 elephants in Zimbabwe. So what happens is in a, in a situation like this where you have a, a herd of 80,000 animals, there's only so many permits that can be allocated to hunt elephants in Zimbabwe. The revenue derived from from the elephant hunts, that's what's paying for the conservation. That money is going right into the programs there to fund conservation. Um, and that's why, you know, that's what we always, that's always the argument for sustainable use conservation. That's where the money's coming from. Uh, so, so basically, by allowing regulated, what you're, what you're telling me is by allowing, and I've read about it and heard this argument before, I just want to make sure I'm clear on it, that by allowing regulated hunting, even of a species like the elephant um, in Africa and Zambia, Zimbabwe, and other places, it essentially pays for the programs that, as you said, if you have a herd of thousands of animals, if you have 10 or 100 hunting permits, I don't know what. By the way, can you give me some sense of scale? I mean, how many hunting permits are there a year given out in a country like Zambia? Honestly, off the top of my head, I don't have the information down in, you know, 
kind of in the details in this. We have biologists on staff. I could get you that data. Oh, that's okay. Um, I, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I'm just trying yeah, to get some, get some no. sense. I mean, I, how expensive are the permits also? My understanding is for something like an elephant, you're, you're paying a lot of money for that. Yeah, honestly, I, I can I tell you, it can get pretty pricey. You know, you're talking 20000 plus, um, probably close to thirty for an elephant hunt all in. Um, it could be even a little higher depending on what area you're hunting. Um, as far as the, the, some, I can give you a little bit of statistics if you're interested. I don't yeah, want to sure. bore you with the numbers. But there's a program in, in, uh, in Zimbabwe called Campfire. It's an acronym. It stands for Community Areas Management Program for Indigenous Resources. It's a long acronym. Started in 89 with support from USAID. From Campfire, uh, it supports 777,000 households. That's about 25% of all the households in Zimbabwe. And it entails about 12.4 million acres, okay? Out of that, 90% of the funding from campfire comes from hunting. 70% of that is from elephant hunting. And just to give you an idea, in 2013, the income from the campfire program, 2.2 million. So between 94 and 2012, the communities in the campfire program received $21.5 million dollars which is about $1.2 million annually if you average it out. Now, uh, we're speaking to Paul uh, Babaz, who is the president of Safari Club International, about uh, big game hunting, and this is because of the recent controversy and, and debate that erupted after it seemed like the administration was going to allow the importation of uh, elephant trophies, specifically from Zimbabwe, now that Mugabe, the dictator of Zimbabwe, has fallen into the U.S. And, and Paul, uh, do we have any assurance? I mean, do we have any clarity that... The money that is raised in these programs is actually going to conservation and not, you know, corrupt bureaucrats or any number of other things. Or do we have pretty high levels of confidence when we're talking about some of these countries in sub-Saharan Africa that the money is in fact going to help other animals? It, it, it is. It is. We do have a high level of confidence, particularly in the campfire program. Uh, the director of the campfire program is a man in, in Zimbabwe named uh, Charles Jongo, personally, and the chairman of the trend of the. Campfire Trust is a, is a U.S. citizen by the name of Joe Hosmer. Um, so we have a high level of confidence. The money is going right there in those communities because it's the village elders that that's the guys that you know that are working in the camps, doing the hunting, uh, doing the, the guiding with the professional hunters. So we have a absolutely a high level of confidence. The money is being spent there. Um, but when you don't have hunting allowed in a country, or in this case, you can still hunt. Keep in mind, you can still hunt elephants legally in Zimbabwe. You just can't bring anything back. So if a U.S. hunter to go over there. He wants to be able to bring back something from the hunt. So if the, 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 we're not allowed to bring anything back, you could see you'll have a drop-off in hunting. And that's where the problem lies. Right. I mean, because clearly the, 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 the trophy issue is just a question of whether we're encouraging or discouraging that kind of hunting as a matter of policy, right? Because it's more, it's more enticing to some people if, they can, if they're paying, this, as you said, tens of thousands of dollars for the permit to, to hunt an elephant then they want to be able to bring something back as a, as a memento of that hunt, as a trophy. Um, but can I also ask you, Paul, and, and you, know, you are free to defer on this one, but I just, I, I've been bird hunting, I've been out on deer hunts, I've been, you know, done a lot of fishing, obviously, which is different, uh, but bird hunting, you know, the birds get away, you know, the, 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 there's, there's a sport to it, there's a skill to it, right? I mean, and to do this in a, in a as a responsible hunter in season, in a respectful way, you know, you hunt your limit and, but there's a chance that you're actually going to go out and, and not get anything, right? There's a chance that you might miss. You know, the bird, whether you're doing a, a, a trap shoot or you're uh, just going out into a field somewhere on private, uh, on private land or land that you're allowed to be hunting on, to me, I just wonder, with an elephant, they know where they are. 
I don't understand how I don't understand the sport and I've never done it. So I plead ignorance on on the whole process. But it sounds to me like there's the elephant. You kind of get a large bore rifle and you sit there and you pick it off. I don't understand the sport in that as somebody, again, who's fine with with sport hunting here in this country. I just don't understand why somebody would want to hunt an elephant. Can you shed some light on that or is that just, you know, a, a personal taste issue? No, well, the reason people hunt is, is a personal issue. I will say that. I can't speak for all hunters. We all have our, our personal reason for hunting. But I will tell you, elephant hunting is not that easy. Uh, I've seen people post here lately. So you just drive around a vehicle, you see one, and you shoot it. It's just not quite that easy because you got to keep in mind, you're, you're going you're, to we're, – we're looking for, in any type of hunt, you want to take a mature animal that's out of the breeding cycle, for example, an old male that's not breeding anymore. He's not contributing to the to the population anymore. That's ideally, with, as an ethical hunter, what you're looking for. And to to go out in the bush, you don't just walk around and just come across an elephant. And you can trust me, you can walk for days, literally, or on foot, and you're walking a lot. And it's just not that simple. You're just not going to come across an elephant and shoot it. But the whole idea is to try to find an, an older male that's out of his breeding prime, if you will, that's not contributing to the herd. That's ideally, but it's, it's just not that easy. I'm just simply put, it's not that simple to go out and just shoot an elephant. Um, and if you, <laughs> it's hard to imagine as big as an elephant is standing 30, 40 yards away from you, you'll never see it until he wants to be seen. It's, it's unbelievable how well these things blend in. I know that sounds silly, but honestly, firsthand, the, <laughs> it's just not that easy. All right. Well, look, Paul, I appreciate you, uh, you coming on, talking to me about it and, uh, appreciate you sharing your expertise. Uh, Paul Babaz is the president of Safari Club International. Uh, people can go and uh, check out what they're up to online. Paul, thank you for your time. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Same to you. Team, we're going to roll into a break here. We will be right back with uh, more Thanksgiving discussion. So stay with me. So should you avoid talking about politics at Thanksgiving dinner? I think each year this is what journalists go to this well Time and time again, they, they pull out stats on this. And the latest that I've seen is that one in three people polled says that they're going to try to avoid a discussion of politics at Thanksgiving dinner. I'm like, well, you know, it all, first of all, it all depends. You got to read the room and you've got to be able to understand what your audience, meaning your family or whoever else is at your Thanksgiving dinner is going to be able to uh, to handle without things getting a little testy because you don't want anybody, you know, flinging a drumstick at you across the table or uh, flicking a spoonful of cranberry sauce in your direction. You got to keep it civil. I totally understand that. Uh, I, I will say that you know it depends also for me on how long this stretches out because I I'm great with the New York City small talk, which means which is my way of saying that when people come up to me especially if they maybe kind of know somebody who knows me or they and they know what I do and they want to start talking politics. I'm always completely respectful of, of anybody who wants to talk to me as long as they're being respectful about anything. But I don't usually like to engage quasi or total strangers in political debate. So I have a, a, a way of going into non-committal, non-political talk in response to direct questions about it, you know. People come up to me. So I'm just trying to I'm just trying to give you some of the tricks of the trade here for your own Thanksgiving dinner purposes. If you have to use it, people will come up to me and they'll say, you know, hey, you know, so, uh, so you know, I, I heard from so and so that, you know, you work for Glenn Beck or something like that. And 
then then they'll say, you know, so what do you think of Trump? And, you know, I'll just say, well, you know, president's working, uh, working hard and I'm, I'm really hopeful for the administration. And I think that if things go well, we could really see some some progress here. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for the best, you know, and if they go, well, you know, what about all the other, you know, the things that he did? I don't like this about Trump. I don't like that about Trump. But I say, well, you know, it's look, everyone's uh, everyone's obviously very committed right now to their politics and it feels a little bit polarized and I would like us all to go. Now, I'm like doing the most boring. I know if, if this were my radio show, every, everybody would be like, what's going on here? Right. This is the most boring stuff ever. Having no opinions in response to questions about opinions is not going to excite anybody. But that's the point. The way to do it is not to shut down the conversation it's to slow roll the conversation. So someone, so when your Aunt Ethel is like, excuse me, but what do you think about what's going on with this guy in this race that's not doing what I like? Uh, you can respond, well, Aunt Ethel, you know, these days I just, I just feel like Americans need to come together and I, I really wish we'd focus on the positive and, you know, just, just go on that, go on that rant, you know, pretend, you know, pretend you're a, a political analyst at like ABC News or something or CBS News and you're just going to say nothing, but do it in a very, uh, a very authoritative way, right? Have no opinions, but say it like you do. Uh, and after a few minutes of that, Aunt Ethel will be like, oh my gosh, you're boring. Pass me the gravy. So that's, that's one way to go. You know, that would be. That would be my go-to if somebody starts to try to box you in to a situation where you have to talk politics. I will say in my family, it is a safe space for conservatism. Uh, I, I, I won't say which ones because I don't want to speak for them. But I, I have one or two family members who may even be more conservative than me, which is saying something. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm like, darn, that's that's conservative. So we we have no problem talking about politics. The only thing is that we all agree with each other. And so that's always fun. It's great. You know, you get the Sexton family echo chamber of just like, I, I know, right? I mean, freedom in America. And everyone, you know, mom and dad are like, oh, yeah, freedom in America. If, this is what, you know, this is what we're all about. You know, this is, this is how this family rolls. So we're great with that. We don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Uh, once you get into more extended family, yeah, we got we got a couple liberals here. We we have some staunch conservatives, but we got a couple liberals. We got a couple liberals here and there, and we're accepting of their of their uh, additions to the conversation. You know, they're allowed to they're allowed to have their uh, have have just like their opinion, man. I mean, they're allowed to do that, and, and we're all very respectful of each other. But I would note that when if you really need if you really need to find common ground. Just start trashing a movie that everybody knows is really bad that just came out recently. That's a good one. Uh, that would be uh, th- keep that card up your sleeve in case you need it. If you reach a, a point in the conversation where you're like, you know what, it's just too tough to find any middle ground here, then just start to start to discuss how the recent Justice League movie, the Marvel movie, I heard it was terrible. I didn't see it. But people told me that it was absolute garbage. So you could probably go there. And you can always argue about superhero movies. Nobody's too invested in those. By the way, should I watch The Punisher over the break? Is The Punisher good? The Netflix series? This is an aside. What? Yes? Haven't seen it? Okay. So, you know, I I might check that out. I like the uh, Daredevil, uh, the Daredevil show that was on. 
Netflix, which this is a spinoff of that. And the guy from season one of The Walking Dead, who's like, the, or season one and two, I guess, who's the best friend of Rick, the lead, uh, and then kind of betrays him and all that. Oh, well, spoilers, whatever. If you haven't seen a show, and it's been around for 10 years. I'm sorry. There's no such thing as spoilers. Um, but he's the one who plays the Punisher. So I'm going to be probably uh, getting into some of that over the weekend. I've also downloaded, for those of you who are going to have to kill some time, I downloaded a show based purely on the reviews, Battlestar Galactica. I have the first season of it. I'm not a sci-fi guy, but I would note that this show has wildly positive reviews. Like people say, and it's uh, Edward James Olmos and uh, some other folks. I don't know who else is in there, but... The reviews are are stellar, and I'm not somebody who gets too excited about Star Trek, Star Wars stuff. I mean, I've seen a lot of it, but I'm not. I, I've watched a couple episodes of Battlestar Galactic, and I have to say, it's uh, it's very well done. It's pretty compelling, and there's like five or six seasons of it at least. So if you're looking to uh, burn some time, that's one way to go. My two brothers are both now rewatching The Wire as a series, so uh, th- that's I-, I might jump into that too, just so we can start making all the references to each other from the series. The Wire is obviously great if you have not seen it. Oh, before I forget, everyone, um, and I would like to give you some tips for the best Thanksgiving meal possible, but I really am not a – I don't have a lot of – I've never cooked a turkey. My mom or one of my family members has always been in charge of the turkey, so I have no turkey skills whatsoever. Um, I'll try to think of something I can tell you to to do that would be – uh, useful for your Thanksgiving feast. But in the meantime, some of you pointed this out, and I, I am embarrassed at this mistake. I said Uber meant fast on the show, which is just, just it's, it's not good. You know, Buck, uh, Buck is kaput. Uber does not mean fast. And I don't know why I got it wrong. Uber means uh, above. It is a, uh, you know, it, it is a uh, preposition. So yeah, it is not an adverb. It is not an adverb. I do not know why I made that mistake. Many I've got German speakers who listen to the show, and they were like, "Buck for reals, like you're going to make this very uh, embarrassing mistake, yeah? It's not uh, fantastic." So yeah, yeah, I was I was wrong in that one. I, my whole thing on Uber, I don't know why I got, I actually took German for a couple of years. It was a long time ago. A little embarrassing. My French was always my best, and then I was eh on the German and eh on the, very eh on the Arabic. You know, like uh, I don't even know. You know, I could I could probably sit here and rattle off about a hundred total words in Arabic and and write about ten of them. So I've lost a lot of what I once had in the Arabic language skills. Uh, although I do know more than ninety percent of the people who go on TV and pretend to be experts in the Middle East, I know more Arabic than them. <laughs> so that's always fun. So with that, my friends, I am going to roll into a a quick break. When I come back, you're going to hear from Ty and Amy. We're going to talk Thanksgiving, and then we'll have Team Buck Speaks. So stay with me. You're either on your way, team, to hang out with family, friends, whomever it is that you're spending Thanksgiving with, or perhaps you are uh, doing your last-minute shopping, food, planning, all that stuff. Uh, I I just went through the experience of going into a midtown grocery store here in New York to pick up some last minute items. And it was like the apocalypse was nigh. The people were just 
they were ste- they were stepping over bodies in that grocery store left and right. It was every man for himself. I'm pretty sure I saw a 90 year old woman throw a flying elbow to get the last bit of lamb chop. So it's it's kind of crazy right now at this point. Hopefully you're not stuck in that insane traffic jam that started yesterday in Los Angeles. That was making the rounds on the Drudge Report. Uh, this year, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing, but I'm also going to bring in our, our Freedom Hut team here, because this is a Wednesday holiday free-for-all in the hut. Uh, we got Tyrone and Amy here. And now Tyrone, of course, chats to me all the time on air. Amy, this time around, we asked if she would share her holiday plans. Are we are we are we affirmative on this? Or we do you want do you want Tyrone to go first? Ty should go first. Okay. <laughs> Tyrone is gonna go first. Amy is not, you know, she she's a little a little shy about coming on air. It's okay. Uh all right, Tyrone. What are your holiday plans, my friends? What are you well, my friend, what are you doing over Thanksgiving? It's uh it's a busy day for my wife and I. First we have uh, I have two dinners though, which is nice. Double, double dinner. Food. Look at double that. Double dinner. So um my family when I got to about 12 or 13, we're like, why do we eat dinner at like one o'clock? And everybody said they didn't know why. It was just one of those because we always did. So we stopped. So now that moves to like six o'clock. So because of that, my wife's dinner's at one o'clock. So we go to that dinner, spend time with everybody there. Then we head to my uncle's house, do another dinner. So we do double Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving Day. And then, usually because my brother is a manager at a retail place and now they have to work Thanksgiving at most places, I then bring him a plate of food to his job because he can't really have Thanksgiving. Well, you're a good man. Uh, But let me ask, how do you handle having two giant Thanksgiving feasts? Because, I mean, for me, I got to go... Uh, one of those belts that's like uh, that's like adjustable, like a braided belt. I got I got to leave room. You know, I got to leave room. Do you do you go for like a long jog the morning of? I mean, two, yes. two big Thanksgiving meals, a lot. I always run in the morning on Thanksgiving, at least three miles, sometimes a little more. Um, it's going to be pretty chilly, so tomorrow will be just three miles. All right, let's let's get right into this, Tyrone. The single best thing that one eats on Thanksgiving is what? For me, the the macaroni and cheese. Ah. You, you just can't beat it. You just can't beat it. I've, I've seen some people on Twitter trying to say that's not good food, and I've every person that said that I've personally attacked so far on social media. <laughs> you, you, all, it all goes out the window the second somebody messes with the mac and cheese. I love it. Um, so yes, yes, indeed. I, I'm, a, I'm a, uh, I'm really. A, I'll be honest. I'm a, I'm a mashed sweet potato man. So you know, I like, I like the sweet potatoes. I'm, I'm a mashed sweet potato man, and uh, I'm also a. Uh, Gluten-free stuffing, obviously. That's tough. It, gluten-free stuffing can be very good, but you got to watch. It's usually stuffing in general is amazing, right? Like stuffing is kind of like chocolate or pizza. It's just on a spectrum of awesome. Yeah. But gluten-free stuffing actually can be pretty lame. So you've got to make sure you get the good stuff. But it, it can be good. Remember, you're just changing out the uh, the bread for a different kind of bread, but it, it can not, not always be the best. By the way, very uh, fierce discussion that I'm, I'm seeing uh, is that some people just say that turkey is just not not a top tier meat. That really you've got to go pork, you've got to go you know ham. A lot of people get into on Thanksgiving. Some I've even seen say they go roast chicken over turkey purely on taste grounds. What say you, Tyrone? Yeah. See, the problem with the turkey for me always back when I ate turkey was I only liked the dark meat. So how can something be top flight if I only like a small part of it? The white meat chicken, I do like. The white meat turkey, I don't like. So chicken blows it away. Pork, forget about it. And we also, in my my family, they do the ham. 
and they do the roast beef. All right. So in addition to the turkey, it's so, a lot of food. So Tyrone goes with a double feast to everybody. He's all in. He's going to be having a great time. Ms. Amy, producer Amy, would you like to tell us a little bit about, you'll notice that, that Amy, she gives me like hand signals and stuff during the show, but usually doesn't come on air. So this is a special treat for all of you listening. Unless you call in, I would note, Amy is the one who handles calls during the show. Uh, but Amy, tell us, producer Amy, tell us about your Thanksgiving plans. Sure. Um, well, this Thanksgiving is pretty special. It's my dad's 50th birthday. So there's like probably 40 of us all getting together. Um, basically eating, drinking, sleeping until probably two in the afternoon. <laughs> so when is your dad's birthday exactly? Because my brother's birthday is November 24th. Oh, his is the 23rd. So pretty oh, close. Okay, yeah, yeah. Close. We're just, so we're going to be doing a double celebration as well, but we, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we don't, we don't eat till like nine o'clock at night. So <laughs> it's a little bit different. And then we're up all night too. So. Do you help with, do you help with the cooking? And by the way, Ty also, after Amy tells me, do you help with the cooking? But first Amy. Um, it's only been recently. I would probably burn down the kitchen, but <laughs> I'm actually pretty good at the mashed potatoes. I put cream cheese in it, which is my little secret Ooh. sauce. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I very do that. Creamy. I do that with scrambled eggs sometimes. By the way, really? Yeah, oh, cream cheese. Idea. Oh yeah, it yeah, works yeah. very well for scrambled eggs. People don't think of it that way. They think of bagels and stuff. It's a little, little secret. If you actually have for scrambled eggs, I'll have you know. I'm, I'm letting all the secrets out now. Creme fraiche. If you want to get a little, if you want to get a little frou frou with your eggs, it. Adds a little special something, I'm just saying. Tyrone, do you cook? Yes, because I don't eat meat, so the turkey and all that stuff is, is gone for me. So I bring shrimp and scallops to one over, uh, over pasta, and then I bring salmon to the other, and then other people can partake. You don't eat meat? Mind is blown over here. I, I, I don't even know what to say. Is I'm, that a new thing? I'm pescatarian. No, it's been uh, four and a half years. So is this just a – is it uh... – a health thing, a taste thing, or just you know. Started as one of those thirty-day challenges, huh. and all of a sudden, I went from being in insom- uh, insomniac to sleeping all through the night. Went to a doctor, and some people have a tougher time digesting meat than others. Uh, food intolerance is something that people or the whole world is learning more and more about all the time. Look, I'm a, I'm celiac, and I found out about five years ago. Uh, but I, I would note that I, I have been lying to my. Uh, my general practitioner, probably for the last decade, whenever they're like, you know, don't eat, re- you know, you don't eat red meat more than two or three times a week, right? I'm like, yeah. And I only have bacon every single day. So anyway, I, I don't know if I could last on the Tyrone diet. Well, it started because truth be told, I was out at a, a birthday party and it started with the loaded nachos with the ground beef. And then it was, uh, I think, 18 buffalo wings. And then there was a bacon double cheeseburger. And my wife was like, you know what? We probably need a break. That's amazing, though. That that meal, I was actually getting excited just hearing about it's, it. I'm it like, could, so I, could I replicate this? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I myself, I'm going to be going to two dinners, kind of like you, Ty. I will be at my family's dinner where my mom does almost all the cooking. This year, we're going to chip in with some uh, side dishes. I will be making my Brussels sprouts. I will have you know that I was at the grocery store, and they were out of pancetta, and I practically threw a fit. How could you be out of pancetta? What's next? No avocado? What will I put on my toast? Uh, but yeah, I, I'm going to be making some Brussels sprouts uh, as a side. With I'm going to chop up. The good thing about, about pancetta sounds fancy. I'm just going to take bacon chunks and throw those in there instead. That also, trust me, everybody, that gets the job done. So I'm excited. You guys have some fantastic Thanksgiving plans. And uh, we'll be reassembling here in the Freedom Hut on Monday. And uh, by the way, those of you listening, if you want to share some of your Thanksgiving thoughts, last minute recipes, any of the above, 
officialteambuck at gmail.com or facebook.com slash Sexton. You can also weigh in on the online back and forth I've had with our friend Emily Zanotti on whether if you could only have one, only have one in your life, would it be meat derived from a cow or meat derived from a pig? I think this is a question for the ages. Very difficult. So you could let me know your thoughts on that. Uh, we'll come back to some Team Buck Speaks here in just a minute. So stay with me. And of course, happy Thanksgiving. Okay, team, it's now time for Team Buck Speaks Thanksgiving edition. Uh, we've got some fantastic stuff coming in here via Facebook and uh, also uh, on the email account that we have set up for all of you to let us know what you're what you're thinking about things, just to share with us your thoughts. Uh, officialteambuck at gmail.com if you want to send us that. So let me start with the emails, and then we'll get into the Facebook messages, all this coming from you listeners across the country and in some cases around the world. Here's what we got. Jeremy from, uh, in Indiana writes in, uh, hey, Buck, the best 30-pound dog choice is a corgi. My wife and I have one, and he's awesome. He has a big dog personality in a smaller package, Shields High. Jeremy, I will tell you, I am quite fond of corgis. And when I was growing up, my mom gave me this book. It was like the official American Kennel Club, I don't know, handbook, or it was like the encyclopedia of dogs. And this is pre-internet because, you know, I'm old. So I looked through this thing. The binding was falling off of it by the time I was done with it over the years. And I had taken a marker because I was a kid and made all these little notes and check marks and things on the different pages. And I went through phases and actually Corgi was one of the phases. Uh, Also English Bulldog. There was a time when I wanted a Golden Retriever. But I thought Corgis were great. And uh, I thought they were cool before. Well, they they were very fashionable in New York for a while, but I was I was ahead of that ahead of that trend. So, uh, thank you for the recommendation, and I'll certainly look into it. I don't know how many corgis there are to rescue out there. I'm assuming they're uh, they're tough to come by. But in the meantime, I thank you for your thoughts. All right, now we have Tanner writing in. Uh, hey, Buck, I'm a 25 year old Team Buck member from Texas. I've been listening to your show for almost two years. And currently listen to the show via podcast in the iHeart app. Something I look forward to every day. I wanted to comment on your segment from Monday about elephant hunting. Like you, I grew up hunting with my family. In the process, I learned to respect nature. I believe animals should only be killed for food or when they are a threat. So I think you are 100% correct to say that elephants should not be hunted. Thank you for the work that you, Ty, and Amy, thank you guys as well, uh, and thank you for your service. Shields high. Well, Tanner, thanks for the note. And you know, look, I, I'm. There are times when I feel very strongly that I'm right on an issue. There are times when I have an opinion, but I'm not sure. And there are times when I'm quite honestly still trying to figure out what's true and what's not. And with big game hunting, I, I I'm not condemning or or declaring that I can't imagine why anybody would do it. Uh, I just think that for me, I, I don't. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. And and I'm. That's why I'm open to it. That's why we had an expert uh, joining us to talk about it. Uh, Anyway, thank you so much, Tanner, and Shields High to you. Uh, Greg writes in, Dear Buck, I've dropped your name among all my liberal friends, and since it's not Glenn Beck, they don't know how to respond, except that they will have to listen. I really hope they do. I think you can make the blind see, as it were. Thank you, sir. You are very careful not to use any form of deception, even innocent ones, and I really appreciate that. 
It would be so easy just to throw out percentages or numbers when none exists like so many others in your line of business do. I depend on your accuracy and trust you enough to quote you, which truly helps me win other liberals I know at work. I remember I remember you on Real News and would love to see some of that old crew in the media. I thought SE Cup was going to be a big success, and she now... Uh, actually, she's doing great, by the way. She has her show over at HLN, um, which I've been a, a panelist on a couple times. Uh, by the way, who is that other guy on Real News? Uh, he and SE started a radio show for a bit. Um, I was shocked to hear that you were not making any money doing the Saturday show, and glad it worked out for you in the end. Shields high. Well, thank you, Greg. Uh, the other guy is Will Kane, and I, I'm uh, pleased to tell you that Will is doing very well. He's got a sports radio show that I believe is in syndication now, so he's he's done quite well for himself. He went over to ESPN. Tyrone, do you know what the show is or what's going on with it? You would know better than I would. I think it's just called the Will Kane Show. There we go. Yeah, but it's, he, it's, it's sports stuff at ESPN, right? Sports out of Texas, but he's also on ESPN TV regularly. And one of those things where they say there's no conservatives at ESPN, that's false. Will Kane is actually very well respected at ESPN. Not defending the whole operation, but Will Kane is asked to speak, and he is not cut off, and people actually like him, and he is conservative. Well, good. Well, congratulations to Will. And uh, I, I knew that he was doing well with the radio show. I, I don't watch ESPN ever, so I have no idea who's on it or who's not. Uh, yeah, he's doing well. Yeah, I'm glad. All right. Thank you, Tyrone. And so, yeah, no, Will's, Will's doing great, and I'll be sure to give him a... Uh, a uh, high five and a heads up from the team. But yeah, he went over into the world of sports, which sometimes, you know, trust me, it'd be nice to do more sports and uh, a little less arguing with people all the time. Um, so there you, there you have it. But uh, I love this political stuff. What can I do? So uh, John writes in the following. Then now we're going to the Facebook messages from the team. John writes in with the following. Buck, I am with you on big game hunting I am a hunter, but my rule is you eat what you kill. I don't understand wanting to kill a majestic beast just for sport. I vote making it illegal to bring a trophy kill back into this country. Well, John, I agree with you, but I'm open minded about it. Right. So I'm I'm willing to hear the other side on this. And and I want to understand more about it than I do. Uh, Let's see what else we have here. Um, Carrie gets into the discussion here with the following Will you discuss net neutrality? I don't get it. You always make things easier to understand. Uh, Carrie, first of all, thank you. Very kind of you. It's one of the things I try to do here on the show is break down uh, difficult things that are uh, you know, out there in the news cycle and try to be as clear and fair-minded about it as I can. Uh, that said, I obviously didn't really get into it in detail today, um, so I will have to just leave it there for now than to say that I will I will get into the subject later. People are interested, I think, because they want to know and understand. It is tough, I will say, to make a net neutrality discussion really gripping. You know, it's it's difficult for me to make the case that net neutrality is uh, something that I can spend a lot of time on on air, but it is obviously a big news story. It does have major implications, and I will try to get into it. I'd also note that Bitcoin, which I had mentioned before, that is a subject we will return to after the Thanksgiving break, and we will do a deep dive on that because I think it's very important. Uh, we have Matthew writing in, Hi, Buck, you're correct when you wrote powerful men using their position to try and induce, or when you said, uh, induce, coerce, or force sex from women has been around for a very, very long time. However, no one sees to be mentioning that, th- that 
what else has been going on for years, which is women using their sexuality to get things in the professional realm. Uh, well, you know, Matthew, I, I think we got to we have to separate those issues out. And uh, that's a that's another discussion that unfortunately with 30 seconds here before I'm going to get cut off the air, I can't really get into. But I do appreciate your note and I will return to that. Uh, I will return to your comment after the break. Aries, one last one here, writes an oxygen thief is a self-explanatory insult. Uh, indeed, Aries, I, I'm I'm aware of where the insult uh, comes from and there we have it so team i'm gonna have to leave it there for this free-for-all wednesday edition of uh, the buck sexton show have a great thanksgiving and uh, please do whatever you choose to eat eat lots of it have a great time with friends family and uh, the thing i am most thankful for this year is all of you and all the success we've had on this show so thank you very much and until monday happy thanksgiving and shields high